You're listening to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue with Adam Bartels. Well, welcome to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue. On this episode, we are talking about how some fascinating research up at Purdue is helping communities decontaminate their water, uh, their water systems faster following uh, uh, de- devastating wildfires that are happening in their communities. And I have the privilege of welcoming in on this episode, the professor who is leading that research, and he is Professor Andrew Welton. Professor, how are you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Welcome to the podcast. Great to have you on. And just getting to read uh, this uh, release that was put out, Purdue, just thought was fascinating on, on the research you guys are doing up there at Purdue and how you are uh, doing everything you can to help communities uh, recover faster and what you're learning uh, from that. Before we jump into that research, let's just let our listeners get to know you a little bit more. Just kind of give us a brief uh, introduction of who you are, where you're from, and how you ended up at Purdue. Great. Well, thanks again for for having me. I'm a professor of environmental, civil, and ecological engineering here at Purdue. I've been here for about seven years. I was at another university before that, uh, worked for some federal agencies, the U.S. Army, Um, And my career has been focused on uh, water contamination, response, and recovery. Awesome. What kind of inspired you to to, uh, follow that and that be kind of your career? So as an undergraduate uh, at Virginia Tech, I was a little lost in trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I was in engineering, but I couldn't really find my niche. Um, I got involved in in water treatment, water distribution research, and, and found that was exciting to me. Later on uh, at industry, uh, when I worked for the U.S. Army, I found myself being asked a lot of times, is the water safe for deployed units or garrison units? What do we do? Uh, And a lot of decisions weren't like, there was no data. It was a lot of, uh, this is what we think is the issue and this is what we think we should do. So I pursued a PhD uh, to try to work on water contamination response recovery from disasters. And, uh, and that's really where I've spent my career now for the last uh, 20 years. That's awesome. And talk about this current research you're uh, working on. You go out uh, following wildfires, collecting water samples. Talk about what encouraged you and inspired you to, to want to start doing that uh, specific research. So years ago, uh, after the 2017 Tubbs fire out in California, I got called by the city of Santa Rosa. And they said, you know, hypothetically, if we were to have this concentration of contamination in our water system, how long would it take to flush out? And so I told them, well, that's really high level of benzene, for example, and it's going to take you years, maybe decades. So as it turns out, like back then in 2017, water systems were encountering wildfires. They were contaminating water systems. Chemicals would show up. And they didn't really know what to do about it. They would just say, well, let's just turn on the faucet and let it run. But uh, there was really no science associated with understanding, you know, is that a good idea? Or should we just remove and replace entire assets to help the community rebuild faster? Yeah. And, you know, that's one thing to get the phone call and kind of answer those questions. But you've been starting to take trips out there and collect water samples yourself and bring them back to Purdue. How important that is into the research and what you're doing. So it's, it's critical to be there because when you uh, walk into a uh, disaster zone and understand the infrastructure that's been damaged, the, the complexity of the community, 
in how they're either affected or wanting to rebuild, um, you get a real good sense of uh, urgency. Sampling allows us to bring materials back. So we don't just take water samples. We take water samples, contaminated water samples, and we bring them back to Purdue like we did after the Marshall Fire out in Colorado. But we also take pipes, meters, valves, um, all sorts of other devices and equipment that's been damaged that could be in contact with the water because we're trying to figure out not only what's in the water, but where did it go? And then what do people need to do to repair and replace our systems to get back to some sense of normalcy? Wow. And before we kind of talk about what you've been finding, you also take some of your students out on these trips as well. Talk about that and, and what that's, why that's important for their growth and learning as well. Yeah, so uh, through my career, I've, I've really tried to engage uh, students. Me, I learn best being in the situation, right? I, I'm not a, a, a book, you know, um, learn in a way where I learn best reading a book or I learn best seeing, I need to be in the situation. I need to have everything around me so that I can feel the, the urgency associated with the issues and, and kind of hone in and sharpen my, my approach. So I bring students in. And uh, whether you're a graduate student, a master's student, an undergraduate student, a scientist, um, an engineer. And I find that it's refreshing because they turn around and share knowledge and observations that maybe I've been a little detached from because I've been so involved over the years. Um, but, I, but they really enjoy it um, because it, it kind of opens their eyes up to the importance of why they need to know certain things when they go out in public they can now interface and provide sound scientific and engineering advice to people. Yeah, it sounds like that. The hands-on experience is so much more valuable than just reading about it in a book, like you mentioned. And talk about what you've brought back. You mentioned not just the water, but all these other things as well. Talk about what you've learned uh, so far in the few years that you've been doing this and, and what you've been able to share with communities maybe to help them recover uh, more quickly. So just... After the Marshall Fire, uh, students and I went out there and we've done uh, water sampling. We've liaisoned with uh, cities, state agencies, federal agencies, and even homeowners. And we did some testing of private wells. Uh, after the fire, we did some inspections of private drinking water wells. We found that some of them are contaminated by debris associated with the fire um, in that they need to be cleaned out. And others, we found um, homes damaged, we found plastic uh, infrastructure has thermally decomposed and we're trying to figure out now if the chemicals are leaching out of that infrastructure and they have to remove and replace all of it on private property or they can just use it and it's just uh, superficially damaged. And I know I've, I was reading in this article about when you've returned to some more recent fires to do some uh, research or more uh, studying on this, and you started talking to people, you found that some of your uh, publishings uh, and research is already starting to be used by other groups. And when you, when you hear that, how uh, cool or how rewarding is that for you that uh, the work you're doing is being, uh, that information is being used by others? It's really amazing. And, and it's amazing from a, a good standpoint where people are open and accepting of new information and trying to understand it to then determine how they can use it to make better decisions to protect their own communities. I will tell you when in research, when you start out and you find something, generally 99.9% .9 repeating of the world doesn't believe it. 
Um, and in its own only disaster after disaster after disaster, we're now we're up at 13 water systems in Colorado, Oregon, and California have been chemically contaminated by wildfires. We've, it's been confirmed. So now people are starting to pay attention. Hey, is this an issue in Texas? Is this an issue in Florida? Like we, we're, we're starting to make headway towards protecting public health elsewhere. And it's only because of people being accepting and open to new information that that's possible. Yeah. And what are some of those maybe changes that have been recommended? Is it using different piping? Is there different ways to, to prevent the water from being contaminated? Or is that always going to happen? It's just a way of trying to make it be able to be cleaned up quicker. So there's a big debate going on right now in infrastructure. <clears throat> and it's, should I use metal pipes or plastic pipes when I know there's fire coming? Now, now that's a debate that's not going to be solved overnight. Some utilities are, are reinstalling plastic pipe because they're saying, what's the chance that I'm going to have another fire like this? Uh, and others are saying, we just don't want to have to think about it. So, so there's that debate. But, you know, what can people do? Well, um, some utilities are now starting to think about, you know, what chemicals do I need to test for? When we went out to Colorado, the state agencies and the utilities didn't really know what chemicals they should be looking for because they hadn't really had to think too deeply about it. It had never happened in Colorado. They didn't have any reason to believe it would happen in Colorado. And so we went out there, we gave them a list of these 60 chemicals you need to be hunting for. They took it, they operationalized it, and then they started using it. So we need to get communities nationwide to a degree where they can go to one place and get the information they need to better support their community. And can some of this research be used on you know, other natural disasters as well. I know there's, you know, elements of a fire that are going to do different damage than maybe something else a tornado or earthquake might do. But in any of these, I assume there's potential for contamination of, of, of water. So is it possible that some of this research can be used for other natural disasters as well? Absolutely. So I had never in a million years thought about getting involved in wildfires. My interest was contamination, decontamination of water infrastructure systems, primarily inspired by some of the work that I had done with the US Army for garrison deployed units. So it's what chemicals are in the water? How do you know? Where do they go? What's the risk of exposure? What is it? Is it going to be bad? Is it going to do something acutely toxic to me or, or whatnot? And I had started off on chemical spills and other types of uh, situations. In the wildfire um, disaster angle just popped out when the city of Santa Rosa called one day and said, hey, we might have something in our water. What should we do about it? Gotcha. Great. Wow. And uh, any other potential uh, trips, whether it's wildfire related or others that you've been called to that are coming up or you're just kind of waiting for that next phone, and continuing your uh, current research at Purdue? So uh, we were called into Hawaii in Pearl Harbor in December to kind of help the Navy um, understand what types of chemicals they might be um, in the water. And I've been called under other situations. So the uh, health um, agency in Canada called me after fracking wastewater was pumped into somebody's home plumbing by mistake. And they wanted to know what chemicals they should look for, where should they go? I've been called by uh, homeowners in Florida whose contractor pumped in some solvent into their plastic plumbing system. And they had nine milligram per liter of toluene in the drinking water and they couldn't figure out like, so how do we get this back to safe use? 
So we're generally called uh, when people have things go egregiously wrong and they want to figure out like, okay, what's the shortest distance between today and getting back safe water? And anything else uh, that we haven't, I haven't asked that just kind of stands out from your research that you're finding that uh, you want to share with our listeners? I would say one of the most important aspects of what we do is engaging with the community. And we design our experiments and we go after grant funding to get other agencies to pay for what we do based on feedback from communities. So many of the experiments we do are because a bunch of homeowners said, this is happening to me and I wanna know what's going on. Yeah. Um, there's no really agency for homeowners to go to, to do that. And that's why we established like the Center for Plumbing Safety here at Purdue. Yeah. Behind me is the infrastructure facility that we constructed by hand with students, faculty and staff, where we can replicate any building water system scenario. Gotcha. And upstairs here at Purdue University campus in Hampton Hall, we have laboratories where we're actually contaminating and decontaminating infrastructure materials. So we can understand when we walk into a situation or somebody calls us what we should consider doing. Yeah, wow, I didn't even think about that. You Practicing those things there at, at Hampton Hall can maybe help you like when you go out to a wildfire and you can say, oh, we've already seen this in the lab back at Purdue. I assume that would help speed expedite uh, your research and getting answers back to these communities. Exactly. And some of the students we brought out to the Colorado's Marshall Fire this January, their work is working on exact same issues that uh, surfaced during the Marshall Fire. So for some of them, they were like, wow, you know, you were encouraging me to do this in the laboratory. And I thought I was just working with beakers. But now somebody's asking me in the real world, like, what did I get? And I, I can't tell them that I had an exam last week, so I couldn't do that experiment. So there's, so there's this like awareness about urgency and the importance of engineering and science that um, I think the students respond to. That's awesome. Love to hear that. And certainly use the word important, certainly an important work that you guys are doing to help, like we've talked about a couple of times already, just communities uh, being able just to recover more quickly. Obviously we want that for everybody who's suffering, uh, you know, devastation of wildfire. They've already had to deal with so much, just, you know, not have to worry about the simple things like drinking their water or taking a shower, you know, with clean water. So that's awesome, Professor. Keep up the good work uh, as we're wrapping up. Anything else that uh, we should know that I might have forgot to ask? Well, I would say we've been talking to emergency managers across the country, and there's a concern that it's not just wildfire specific. It may be structure fires too. So the implications of the work and whether or not contamination shows up could actually be any fire a house fire, a neighborhood fire, uh, and such. And so I would say keep, uh, keep your head up and look towards the future because I think you're gonna see some more results coming soon that have direct applications to communities nationwide. Awesome. Hey, as, as we're wrapping up here, if more people are wanna just go beyond this podcast and learn more, where would you direct them to go so they can find out more about your uh, research or just follow along what you guys are doing? So we have a website set up uh, plumbingsafety.org, www.plumbingsafety.org. And we've had, I think, over a million uh, hits in the last several years, um, provide guidance to homeowners, um, connect homeowners with government agencies that can help them in their local communities, as well as uh, utilities and companies and all sorts of other um, 
communities that need assistance. Awesome. Anybody who's on our website right now watching this interview, just uh, scroll down. I'll make sure to include a link to that on the web article as well. So, uh, Professor Wellen, thank you so much for your time. This is a fascinating research and it's obviously a great and important work. So thank you for doing that. And uh, thank you for taking the time to talk to me on the podcast. Thank you. All right, man. Take care and boiler up. Never down. <laughs> A reminder, you can follow the Full Steam Ahead podcast on Twitter at Full Steam Pod. And you can always listen to, like, comment, subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and tune in. Thanks again for listening to the Full Steam Ahead podcast. Until next time, I'm Adam Bartels.